0: Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Joining us online for our Branch Christmas series. We're so glad that you've joined us and we've prayed that God would use this series in your life in a special way. If this is your first time joining us or if you join us every time, we'd love to hear from you. So don't forget to fill out your online connection card. You can find that at branchlife.church. Also on our website, you can find all kinds of information about what we're currently teaching on. And if you're ready to join us in person, we'd love to invite you. If you fill out your connection card for the first time, we have a gift for you, a Matthew journal that we will send out to you. Uh, Just don't forget to fill out that card. We're going to jump into this special series all about the different lights of Christmas. And we know God has a special message just for you. So thanks again for joining us and enjoy this teaching. excited to continue on our talk through our Christmas lights series remember the tag of this is the weary world rejoices and last week we learned that God is in the business of bringing joy to the weary world he is bringing light into dark places in Genesis chapter 1 God says into the darkness let there be light And so we're looking at the different ways the Christmas lights were used by God to bring light into a dark world and how those lights are continuing to shine in our world today. So we hope that you are encouraged by this as we look at these these opportunities to see the light and to see what God is doing and what he did, what he's doing now, and what he will continue to do in the future. We are on our second light today. And this light that we're talking about is the angel's light. Let me grab my remote here. Uh, we're talking about angel light. I don't know if you've done a theological study on angels. Uh, Alex is taking some classes on theology. He had to write a paper on, on angels, something, anything to do with angels. And he was looking for a question. I should have given him this question. How do angels produce light? Because every time you see an angel, right, It's glowing, and we either put the star, which we talked about last week, at the top of our Christmas trees, or we put an angel at the top of our Christmas trees, and they light up. Do they glow? Do they plug in? Is it like phones where you turn on the flashlight and have it? Are their wings extra shiny? Like if I appeared in the sky, I am not lit up, right? How does that work for angels? Well, the Bible talks about over and over again, connected to angels, there being, uh, for lack of a better theological term, angel light around them. And one of these most famous stories, one of these most famous moments, is in Luke chapter two, which is the go-to passage at Christmas time. This is the Charlie Brown uh, reading that you see every time on the Peanuts Christmas time. They Quote Luke chapter two. When my family gets together for our Christmas celebrations, our entire family—aunts, uncles, grandparents—quotes Luke chapter two uh, as much as possible together, and we read this passage. So, for some of you, this is extremely familiar. And as we look at where the angels show up in this story, uh, the prayer is today that God will invade your heart, maybe with the familiar. Maybe with the spectacular, maybe with something new, to help you do one of two things. For those of you that know Jesus, we're asking him to restore unto us the joy of our salvation. There was an immense amount of celebration that took place in this story. First from the angels, so much that it overflowed to all of us and to the shepherds. And that's that's something that sometimes, if you're like me, you lose. Where's the joy? where where's the where's the hope where's where's the peace and that's something as a church that we're all about uh connecting into to know God is present man there's joy there and for those of you that are still exploring a relationship with Jesus we're asking God that this prayer that our soul would awaken to the joy of Jesus as our salvation So that you would see having a relationship with God, beginning a relationship with God, like Jen and Jacob talked about, is life-changing. And it taps into something that you've never felt, that you've never experienced, and that you've never had before. And all of this is brought to us by a message from angels. So in Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, it says this, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds doing their shepherd thing. They're out outside of the town watching the sheep at nighttime. It's dark. All the lanterns are not lit. You know, people are going to bed. They're used to this kind of thing. Did you ever think about how hard it is to be a shepherd in the middle of the night out in a place where you don't have flashlights and iPhones? Like, how did they see the sheep? How did they guard them from the wolves and the bears and from the sheep rob- robbers, right? They just didn't have their mag lights and their, their deer spotlights. My dad growing up kept a deer spotlight in our car. How many of you had this experience? And we'd be going down the road and he would see something. I don't know how he would see something. And, and all of a sudden the window would be down. It's cold during deer season, right? And the spotlight would be on the roof of the car pointing across into the far fields looking out looking for deer in the edges or whatever and sure enough he'd find them or be in the front or be in the and another car would come and he'd have to turn the beam in front so he wouldn't blind the people coming out we were that car the shepherds did not have that they didn't have the giant beam spotlight it was dark the best they could do was a bonfire right it was it they didn't have the Gandalf light on the top of their shepherd's staff so these shepherds who were out in the darkness, were trying to do the best that they can to take care of the sheep that they were responsible for. Being a shepherd's no glorious task. It's kind of the the low end of the totem pole. It's kind of the job that everyone wants to get out of so they can go on to a better job. King David started off as a shepherd, but he was literally the youngest of 12. And the youngest of 12 always gets the worst job. He was sent out to be Shepherd, And so here are these tired uh, men that are taking care of these sheep out in the middle of the night, lack of sleep, right, in the darkness. And God chooses to deliver a message to them that changes the world forever. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. So, remember, pitch black. And all of a sudden, in the sky, an angel of the Lord appears. Now, here's where we get the answer to the question, where did the light come from? Angels are not illuminant creatures. They don't glow in the dark. They don't have LED lights in their feathers. Their halos probably don't even exist. It just crushed some of your spirits. They Yeah, so you can't even sing the song Halo, like it's just not a thing. Now, the angel of the Lord showed, where'd the light come from? It's the glory of the Lord that shone round about them. Whenever you see an artistic drawing of something like this moment, the angel is there and it feels like from the back, somebody's got the spotlight and they're pushing it through the wings of the angels. That's, a, that's an artistic rendering of the glory of the Lord Uh, Scholars call it the Shekinah glory. This is God showing up in some sort of shining, spectacular fashion. And there's glory that's shining around in the form of light around these angels. It was shown around them. So much so that it caused a reaction by the shepherds of fear. Yes, you would be scared if a floating person thing was above you. And then, if that floating person thing had all kinds of light coming from around it, that would terrify you. Unidentified flying object. That's what they were dealing with. And they didn't know what to do with it. And they were terrified. This is the moment that Jesus sends light into the darkness through the angels. You know what the word angel means? It means messenger. The angel is a messenger, and he's bringing a message from God, and hes this is a glorious announcement. They are the announcers of this world. They are the press releases of this world. They are the ones that are coming in to say, this is... What I have to tell you is extremely important. And in this literal darkness, the nighttime where the shepherds were, in this literal moment where there was darkness in the world, God sent a shining light in the form of an angel to make an incredibly important announcement that first was met with fear, but then turned to celebration. In an instant, once the announcement was given, did you ever wonder why, at the end of uh, World War II, when when all of those people were celebrating in Times Square, why they were so happy? Remember, remember like this gathering where the sailors have come home and everyone's in Times Square and there's parades and there's ticker tape and the one sailor bends over the stranger, right, and, and kisses her and now there's this icon- iconic picture. Why were people so happy? Why were they celebrating in the streets of New York City at the end of World War II? Well, because World War II was awful. It was absolutely terrible. We just celebrated, I think, what, the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor? Devastating moment in world history, in American history, launches us as a country into this world war. And just remember, I, I don't remember, imagine, think about the terror that embraced this entire world. You thought that America was removed for it. Most of the battles happened in other parts of the world and other continents. We, this, remember, during World War II, there was a nuclear arms race. There was a threat from day to day that the enemy would figure out how to use a nuclear bomb on us. And we were racing with our greatest minds to try to stop that from happening so that we could use it first on them. And every population center, every country, every capital knew that they were in danger of possibly exploding at any moment. Because an airplane now can fly over your city and drop a metal bomb out of it that will wipe out the entire population. That is terrifying. And your kids are out fighting in that war. Your son's on a boat in the South Pacific. Charging onto islands where people are hiding under rocks to pop out and and kill them. And you don't know if your husband's going to return home from that war. So when at the end of it, the announcement is made that the war is over, that it's been won... That the conflict's ending, that the boys are coming home, that we don't have to live in constant fear of annihilation. R- that imagine then in that moment, that's a, yes, people are going to throw ticker tape out of the top of sky risers. Yes, they're going to storm the streets and cheer and celebrate. Yes, they're going to kiss strangers. Now, I know you're not allowed to kiss strangers nowadays because there's germs going around. Because now we live in a time of completely different fear. You see, now, if somebody coughs in this room, we all hold our breath for a hot minute. Now, we are scared to go where there are groups of people. Now, we live in constant fear that there is something that's going to attack our health Or the health of someone we love. I I don't know about you, but through this whole pandemic, my problem hasn't been me. For me. I'm a young, healthy, strapping young man. You give me a virus and I will attack that virus with my immune system. My concern, really, has been others. Particularly my parents, who are in their 80s. And I don't want to see my parents get a virus that I don't know if their body can handle. And so as we've been navigating this, we have tried to encourage our parents who still see themselves as strapping young people who can handle any virus. We try to encourage them to take the proper precautions and, and just, you know, be careful. And, and the last thing we want to do is see you uh, get this virus and, and, and see it not go well. That's why on Monday... When my dad tested positive for COVID, that was a hard day. We were praying that would never happen. And how's he going to do? How's his body going to react? Is he going to be able to fight it off? The next day, my mom loses her taste and smell. Oh, our worst fears in this pandemic have come true. We didn't want them to get that. We praise God that they had mild to moderate. It turns out they're strapping young people who can handle viruses. <laughs> but we didn't know that. We didn't know that they would be able to walk through it and, and be okay. And that they're well on the road to recovery. And they are literally tapping their watches waiting for when they can get out of quarantine. And they're chomping at the bit to move forward. But we have all, all of us have experienced that on some level in this season. And whether you've been worried about your health or the health of someone you love, whether you've been worried about a disease, whether you've been worried about dying, that fear is real. Maybe you've been more worried about the loss of control, not being able to deal with something. Maybe somebody taking over control. Maybe you've been worried about government overreach. Maybe you've been stressed about politics and and decisions that are being made for you and about you. That's fear, just in another form. And we live in these moments, 2021, overcome with fear—great fear. The shepherds has reasons to fear. Our grandparents during World War II had reasons to fear. We today have reasons to fear. I want to tell you this: the generation that follows us will have reasons to fear. There will be something else, whether it's a war, or a pandemic, or a problem, or a a stock market crash, or or a famine, or, or or, or a storm. Something else will happen in their generation, in their lifetime, will be the thing that causes them to fear. Maybe it's technology actually does take over the world, and artificial intelligence rules, and humans come in second. But whatever it is, the message that these angels brought was not to fear here's here's the importance of this message in this moment the time of fear the angel said is over the days of joy has come they they appeared in the sky in spectacular fashion With the glory of the Lord showing round about them. You know where this glory of the Lord shows up other times in the Bible? Remember the burning bush? It wasn't a bush that was actually burning because the bush didn't burn. What was it? It was a bush full of the Shekinah glory. It was glowing because God was there. And the best way Moses could describe it was a fire. That's the glory of God. In the next chapter in Matthew that we're going to cover in January, there's going to be a transfiguration, and God's going to appear with Moses and Elijah, and they're going to see transformation in that mo- mo- transfiguration in that moment, where the glory of the Lord is shown, and it, it literally changes the faces of the people that interact with it. The glory of the Lord is shown in through this angel, and he's making this announcement. Listen, you don't have to be afraid anymore. The days of fear are gone. You can put fear behind you and you can replace it and enter into a season of joy. Enter into a lifetime of joy. Change the chapter from fear and allow this now to be the chapter of of joy. Joy has arrived. And you can substitute your fear, no matter what it is, with joy. Because Jesus is here. They say this, the angel said, fear not. Fear not. Don't be scared of me. Don't be scared of this world. Don't be scared of sin. Don't be scared of death. Don't be scared of government rule. Don't be scared of nuclear bombs. Don't be scared of of tornadoes. Don't fear. I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The announcement, the joy, the entering of these days of joy is because God has become flesh and He is now present with you. God is here. God is here, shepherds. He's in this town. God is here, Branch Life Church. He is in this room. He is present with you in the moments of fear and doubt he's in the middle of darkness he's in the middle of concern God is there when you're sick when you get the announcement that your parents have COVID God is there when you're facing war God is there when your young people are sent around the world to fight battles that they may not return from God is here he is on earth you do not have to be afraid God is real he loves you and he is caring for you that's the good news Your sin can now be forgiven because Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, has been born. Your brokenness can now be healed, and God is in the business of healing broken things. He's healing a broken world one broken heart at a time. And every time someone comes to Christ, there's a little less brokenness in this world. And God is moving through our time and through our generation to a day where all brokenness will be complete, where there will be a new heaven and a new earth, where there will be no more tears, no more death, and absolutely no more fear. And that moment starts now, with an angel declaring through the Shekinah glory of God, That we don't have to fear that the gospel is alive and well. Our sins can be forgiven. Jesus is alive and well. We have now a way to connect with God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The days of joy are here. So how do we replace fear with joy? How do we change the chapter? I've had conversations this week both with followers of Jesus... And with friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus, who have talked about the fear that they have in this moment. What do we do? We need to stop believing the lies and the myths and start believing the truth. And if we say we believe it, we need to start acting like we believe it. Because God's brought us good news. And here's one of the biggest myths about Jesus and knowing Jesus. The biggest myth out there is that if you follow Jesus, then your life will be no good. It'll be no fun. If you follow Jesus, you're now a strict, angry person who's not allowed to do anything that's fun and exciting. You now will live a boring life with your hands tied to poverty, and you will now no longer be able to to, to go to parties, you'll no longer be able to say the best words in the English language. You'll no, you'll no longer have Sundays to sleep in. You have to go to some place where there's other people, blah, 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 blah. And if I follow Jesus, then life is now gone. He's he's a party pooper. <laughs> That's what people think about knowing Jesus. Where do they get that idea? Well, because they've met a lot of really sour Christians. People who say they know Jesus, but they act like they don't. People who say that following Jesus is hard, and i got to get through it, and I don't know why I do this. Where were you? I was at church on Sunday. You should come. Here's a card. Here's Here's the truth. Jesus isn't a killjoy. He is real joy. Jesus isn't a killjoy, he is joy. He is the source of all joy. He is the spring which joy bounds out of. He is the only true source of joy. He doesn't rob us of our joy, that's a lie from the devil. He is the supplier of joy and celebration and life and abundant life. He's the giver of true life. If you're lost, Jesus finds you. If you're dead, Jesus brings you back to life. If you are broken, Jesus heals you. That's what he does. That's why knowing Jesus is so incredible. That's why walking with him is amazing. That's why having access to talk with him is life-changing. When you know this Jesus, you now know for the first time real and true joy. That's why Jen can't hold her emotions together when she talks about Jill explaining salvation and how it's absolutely changed her life. When you meet Jesus, you meet joy for the first time. Real joy, you see those those most amazing words in the English language. Those parties, those hangovers, those living for myself and my entertainment and my comfort and what I call fun. We all know that those are not where joy comes from. We know the pain that's connected to those. We know we know what happens when we start indulging in things too much and too often, and we start living for ourselves and in our moments. And if you're honest with yourself, more money and more fun and more toys and more comfort is not happiness. It's not joy. Ask the richest people in the world who have all the money. Is the, is the money where happiness comes from? No way, no how. Ask those people that that now have, have fell into addiction because they've gotten involved too much with the party scene. Ask people that are struggling to know and understand uh, uh, dealing with depression and discouragement and anxiety and panics, panic attacks and all those kinds of things wrapped up into saying, I don't have any answers for what's going on in this world. We've got to stop believing the lie that Jesus is a killjoy and believe the truth that Jesus is true joy. Here's another myth that we see. We, have, we believe that when life hurts, it's God's fault. Have you ever blamed God for something going poorly in your life? Did you ever blame him for that car accident? Did you, did you blame him for that sickness? Did you blame him uh, uh, for that loss? For that, for that uh, diagnosis? Did you blame him for, for that job going away? Do you blame him when you don't have enough money? Do you blame him when the marriage is unraveling? Do you blame him for the kids that, that just don't seem to get it? We often do. And even people who don't believe in God blame God for their bad things. I always thought, thought that was ironic. And this, this becomes a lie that Satan uses in our minds. Because after all, if there is a good God who loves us, why would bad things happen? Because the good God who loves us, who's all-powerful, would not allow me to hurt ever. He would take away my pain. He would guard me from all wrong choices. And most of the time, we start blaming God for the hurt in our lives. When the Bible is crystal clear about where hurt comes from. You see, it's not God's fault when it hurts. It's sin's fault. If you want to blame somebody for the pain and the brokenness in this world, blame Satan. Blame sin. Because we exist as broken people in a broken world. And God guaranteed that in this brokenness there would be trouble, there would be suffering, there would be pain, and there would be hurt. And he acknowledged that problem in this world. So, God is actively fighting against that. But he's not robbing us of our free will. He's not turning us into robots. He's offering us an option where we can pursue a loving God or we can pursue the things of this world. And we continually make the wrong choice because we are broken. And because of sin, there's disease. And because of sinful choices. There are painful consequences. And we can often blame God for those things when God says, I'm, I, am God, am broken for those things. And so if you're mad at God because something didn't go your way, you're believing a lie. Get mad at sin. Not God. God is offering you a way to beat and conquer that sin. In this world, God says, you will have trouble. But in another verse, He says, Let not your hearts be troubled, for I have overcome this world. And in my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, why would I go to prepare a place for you? That where I am, there you may be also. That's the truth. That God is preparing for us. New heaven and new earth. Here's a third lie that we believe. A third myth. The good life is the source of joy. We believe that if, if I can just finally get to a place where I'm comfortable. If, if they can just announce that the war is over. Then everything will be okay. If, if somebody. Could you imagine? <laughs> Dr. Fauci gets on the. News to this afternoon and goes, Guys, I can't explain it. That's my Dr. Fauci. He talks a lot, so his voice is raspy. COVID's gone. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. No, legit, if it was gone, we'd be like, Everybody to Times Square, we're kissing strangers. It's time to get everyone back together. Mask-burning parties for days, right? Like, we're throwing those things out, and the bonfire's in the middle of town. Like, it's going to be wonderful and fantastic, and we would just have this incredible celebration because now, finally, we can be happy. Now, finally, now we can be free. Now, finally, now is our moment to really live, but that's a lie. The source of our joy is not our circumstances, It's not finally being safe. It's not finally being comfortable. It's not finally having everything that we want. Yet we pursue that like it is. The source of our joy is not the good life. The source of our joy is the one who gives life. And we must pursue Jesus, not the good life. We must pursue our relationship with him, not having What we think will cause us to be more comfortable, to be happier, family, friends, money. But pursuing Christ above all, that's the announcement of the angels. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto us is born this day a Savior. who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. How do I know who Jesus is? The angel says to the shepherds, we're going to prove it to you. Go find this baby. And it's going to be unique because the baby's going to be in a feeding trough. There's not a lot of babies in feeding troughs. So there's just going to be the one. That's him. That's the, that's the, that's the, not a throne. No, a manger. And that's the Christ. I've often wondered if I was the shepherds, <laughs> would I believe it, right, I have too much pizza, are the shepherds in the next town over, the Dallas Cowboy Shepherds, are they playing a, a joke on me, is, am I dreaming, would I to run to go find a baby and then find it, So now. So now there's the angel, and I'm not sure if I believe it. So he's telling me to go find a baby in a manger. What you talking about, Willis? And I go find a baby in a stranger. And I walk into this room, and there's Mother Mary and, and Joseph, and there is this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and I would be dumbfounded. Wow. The Messiah's born. That's all they needed. That's all they needed. It it brings me to this question. What sign would I need to believe in Jesus? What sign would you need to believe in Jesus? What would be the thing that God would need to do to prove to you that Jesus is the Son of God? What would be the action or the activity that you would have to go through to finally put your faith and trust, to be convinced that God is who He says He is, that Jesus is God in flesh, and that everything in the Bible is true? For the shepherds, it was a baby in a manger. For, for Peter, it was a boat full of fish. Turn to Luke chapter 5, just a couple chapters over. In Luke chapter 5 in verse 1, Jesus is walking around and he's calling his disciples to himself. He's, he's saying, follow me, I'm Christ. Again, if, if a guy came up to me and said, follow me, I'm God, I would be like, crazy man alert, get the kids, we're going the other way. But here's what's happening, Jesus is walking up to men who are... Smart, wise, worldly men, and he's saying to them, Follow me, and they're dropping everything and they're following him. Why? Because something convinced them to believe. Well, what was it that convinced Peter to believe? Luke 5, verse 1 On the occasion, while the crowd pressing on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting on one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to push out a little bit from the land and he sat down and taught the people in the boat. Now so just so you understand, they were Jesus was getting pushed back by a crowd. he got to the edge of the water. in the, in the lake were two fishing boats that were done fishing for the day because they hadn't caught anything. You don't wash the nets if you got fish to take care of. The nets were empty. And Jesus says to these random fishermen that he just bumped into on this random lake who were randomly done with their fishing for the day, I got to use your boat. And so he gets in their boat, and he's now preaching from the boat, so there's some buffer between him and the crowd. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking to them, Simon, who we know is Peter... Put out into, uh, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. He now turns to the fisherman and says, we're going to go out and we're going to catch more fish. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. There are no fish in this lake. But at your word, you're the rabbi, I'll let down the nets, although I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and you've got to be kidding me. And you just made me sit through a sermon. Okay, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, so large that their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat, Come, come help us. And they came and they filled both boats so that the boats began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. All they needed to believe was a miracle of fish. So much fish that their boats almost sank. So much fish that there was no way anyone could have said it was luck. It was happenstance. It just was coincidence. You just happened to catch a school of fish that were being chased by a lake shark, and they all got chased into your nets. So much so. but this doesn't happen. This is miraculous. And then that guy is in charge of fish. Who's in charge of fish? Only God's in charge of fish. He's God in flesh. You see what happened in this moment was they saw the sign of their boats filling, the miracle of Jesus Christ, and then they realized that Jesus is the one who fills the boat. You might be here today saying, I'm tired of an empty boat, I'm tired of an empty life, I'm tired of empty relationships, and you've been blaming that emptiness on God. God is not the one who empties boats, God is the one who fills the boats. And now in this moment, Peter, James, and John had everything they hoped for. They had all the fish in the world. They were rich. They had extra money for Christmas. They were finally got what they wanted. They could take some vacation days off. They could buy a nicer boat because God did a miracle and he provided for them. But when they met God, they realized it wasn't about the full boat. It was about Jesus. You see, in this moment, when you meet the one who fills the boat, You leave the boat to follow him. It's not about having more in this life. It's not about having a better life. But when you find the one who fills your life, you abandon your life to follow Jesus. Can you imagine? They finally got all the fish, and now they don't care about fish. Because now they follow Jesus. You want to care less about money? You want to care less about disease? You want to care less about government control. You want to care less about the relationships in your world that that dominate your thoughts, that causes you to fear, that gives anxiety and discouragement in you. You want to let those things go. Give them to Jesus and just follow him. The days of fear are gone and the days of joy have come. They've arrived. And here's my challenge to you this morning. As you maybe meet Jesus for the first time, or you're reintroduced to Jesus in this moment, if you know Jesus, if you've accepted him as your personal salvation, then remember this today. Ask God to restore unto you the joy of your salvation. Would you fall in love with following Jesus again? Would you be a passionate follower of God? Would you find your joy and fulfillment in God? Maybe some of this life stuff has crept in. Maybe some of this fear stuff has has bled into your soul and into your bones. Maybe there's just a little bit too too much heaviness in this world and you need to tap back into the joy of following Jesus. As a Christian of God, as a follower of God, you're a Christian, you're a part of the family of God, your eternity is secure. You can now live this life in joy knowing that Jesus is your Savior. Let's celebrate it. Let's smile about it. Let's share it. Let Jesus be your joy again. Happens to all of us. Let's refocus on him. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, maybe this prayer today is for you. Awake, my soul. Then to the joy of Jesus as my Savior. Maybe today you want that hope, you want that life change, you want that joy, and you're seeing that that answer now comes in the person and the work of Jesus. Not a religion, not doing good things for good people, not not saying the wrong words, but just by following Jesus, by accepting Jesus as your personal Savior, you can now enter into a relationship with Jesus and see the wellspring of hope that boils up inside of you. You see, at Branch Life Church, we say the closer your connection to Christ, the more fruit you're bearing. And the deeper we go with Jesus, the more joy and kindness and peace and hope that he gives us. Today, you can start that by by believing in him. Just believe the gospel. And in these moments, in the quietness of this time, simply say to God this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose again for me. And I want to accept the free gift of salvation. You see, the shepherds had an angel and a manger. Peter had a boat and some fish, and they were convinced. What do you have? You have the person of Jesus who rose again from the dead. He rose from, we can prove it. Hundreds of people have seen it. And since that time, millions have experienced a personal relationship with Jesus. You need no other sign but the resurrection of Jesus to decide to follow him and say, God, I, today I accept the free gift of salvation. I want to become a follower of Jesus. I give you my life, my heart, and my all. And maybe third, today, it's it's if you have more questions about that, we'd love for you to go to the gospel tab and find out more information. And if you've prayed to accept Jesus as your Savior, let us know that on the connection card. Thirdly, I just want to say this. Maybe the application for you today is let's bring joy into the house of the Lord. Like, this should be awesome. When the people of God get together and we sing, Noel, Noel, the Savior of the world has come. I should see it on your faces. We should hear it in your voices. It should permeate through the live stream. That we love God. That we worship God. We get to see each other and one another. We get to walk through life together. Today I bring my cares, my concern, my parents who have COVID to the altar of Jesus Christ. And I lay it all down for him. And I know that he will now walk through that with me. I can celebrate. I can be free from joy. I can be free from burden. And come to Jesus who gives me rest. And in this moment when we get together in the house of the Lord. Sing louder. Sing Sing more expressively. Say amen more often. Hug each other a little bit longer. Not longer than six seconds until the pandemic is over. But a little bit longer. And enjoy the presence of God when we come together into the house of the Lord. Bring joy. Bring joy and life and energy. As we say, Don't miss it. Don't let the cares of this world cause you to be too busy for it. And we want to fill God's house on Christmas Eve. We're going to get as many of our friends and neighbors as we can to hear the good news of the gospel, to sing the songs of the season. Why? Because we have to compete with those angels, and we're going to win. We're going to sing louder. We're going to display the love of Jesus with our lives. We're going to, we're going to proclaim his goodness, and we're going to show the love of Jesus in and around our community. We're going to bring the joy back to the house of the Lord. So let's, let's Ask God to speak this into our spiritual journey wherever we are. I want to give you a couple of minutes just to reflect quietly on what God is saying to you. Maybe you needed to hear some encouragement today. Maybe you needed to be reminded of something today. Maybe you need to just simply need to give something to God and let him have it so joy can reign supreme in your life. And I want you to do that in the quietness of these next moments. You can use the cards if you would like to. You can use this time to write on the cards, to write a prayer request, to let us know um, how you're reacting. If, if you want to more about the gospel, you can pray about that in those moments. If you want to just quietly reflect on what we're doing in this, just meet with God right here right now. Because here's the truth today. God is present. He loves you. He's walking with you. And sometimes we forget that. So no God is here in this moment. Hey guys, thanks again for diving into God's word with us. We hope that it spoke to you in a special way. Don't forget to fill out that connection card before you log off. You can go to branchlife.church to find that or you can just click the link that was shared in your chat. Hey, if this was a blessing to you, it would be a favor to us if you would pass the word along, share it online, tag a friend, or hit the like or subscribe buttons. All of those things just do a a lot of good, and we would appreciate that very, very much. We hope that you have a great Christmas season, and anytime you want to connect with us, you can find us right back here. So join us next time as we continue on uh, in God's Word.